All right, welcome. This is episode two of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. I don't have a plan today, which is entirely the purpose of this show, right? I think last week, you know, I went ahead and watched the video, listened to the audio, got everything uploaded for release on March 30th, of course. And as I listened, as I watched, I found myself struggling a little bit, right? Because wasn't the entire purpose of this exercise to do it unscripted, unedited, and uh, unafraid? It was, technically, allegedly, but the more and more that I thought about how that episode turned out, the more and more convinced I became that the person that I was portraying in that episode was not living up to those three aspirations, right? And today then, what I wanted to do in episode two was to discard all of the ideas and notes that I sort of had been putting on some document on Google, wherever, Google Drive somewhere that was like, oh yeah, here are some great things that you could consider talking about. You know, what is what is the date March 3rd mean to you, Ryan, or RR? That's the date on which I'm recording this. And of course, several things had come to mind. Uh, I threw them on a document and thought, oh, wouldn't it be really, it would be so intense for a second episode if you started by talking about this topic or if you started by talking about that topic. And then I started getting in my own head thinking about, well, you could say this, you could say that. And then it became scripted, right? Kind of, a little bit. And I was editing out the things in my own head that I did or didn't want to say. And where was that coming from? Well, it was coming from a place of trumpets play. It was coming from a place of fear, right? And so in all three dimensions of what this is supposed to be about, I wasn't really living up to what it is I wanted to accomplish here, right? And further to that point, I was thinking about how in having put so much thought into episode one and in having tried to develop this sense of direction for what this would become, I also think that as I reflect on episode one, I said some things that I don't think accurately represented what my intentions were. So for example, there was a spot in there where I said something to the effect of, I'm not sure uh, if you if you know me, but you don't know that I'm an author, you know, da 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 And I wasn't super happy with how that sounded because I think there is an interpretation of that that's like the classic, oh, you don't know who I am? Don't you know who I am? And that's not what I was going for. What I was going for was, why would why would you be tuning into this if we're not already pals on social media? I have no expectation that people would be interested in this content after stumbling upon it on its release day. So if you did watch episode one and you took it that way, I'm sorry, that's not what I'm going for here at all. That's not the person that I think I am, or at least, again, we're using this word aspire, aspire to be. But uh, if you did tune into episode one and you're someone who did find me through my author channels over on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, newsletter, conferences, whatever the case might be, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you coming aboard. And if you're sticking with me for episode two, I appreciate that as well. So what do we have on the docket then for today? We're about four minutes in and I haven't said much about what we have going forward here. It's because there's a lot in my mind, and I'm actively going out of my way to take the proverbial knee and run out the clock on anything truly meaningful. Because again, the more I think about it, I think I am afraid. 
of the topics that I know I could discuss and that I had sort of in my head to discuss as part of an episode that I would record here on March 3rd. Uh, the reason, you know, we're just going to do it. We're going to do it anyway. I'm, I'm going to hopefully throw out everything that I thought I would say about these topics. We're just going to surge right into them and see what we get. Um, but March 3rd is an interesting day for me, both in the year 2020 and uh, historically, if not, um, you know, over the course of the last half decade or so. Uh, so let's where to start? Let's start here. So March 3rd, uh, I suppose, isn't the actual date. It would be March 2nd. Uh, that would have been yesterday. It's a Monday. I was originally meant to have a new book out on March 2nd. This was to be the third book in my empathy sci-fi saga uh, titled Event Horizon. It was going to be book three out of depending on which blog post you stumble into at any given point in time. It was going to be book three out of five or six or seven books. And I went through the process as I had gone through the process with my publisher and getting this book ready to go. We had deadlines all throughout last year of me checking in, making sure we were on target to get an early 2020 release and hopefully build on the momentum that we intended to generate in 2019 for the first two books in the series. But what became apparent to me as I was writing this third book is the extent to which it was ballooning. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the series, I want you to think about it as a sort of a Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, um, in, not in, maybe not inspired, but esque world in that you have this broad multi-perspective storytelling, you're following different characters for every chapter, what have you. And as you know, uh, if you are a reader or if you are a writer, Writing something in this vein can quickly um, balloon on you, particularly if you have full character arcs for all of your perspective characters, which I generally believe you should, at least uh, based on what I wanted to do for this series. And so what I was finding is that this book was getting longer and longer and longer, and I started to worry that I was germing myself, uh, as George R. R. Martin has done, with making too many plot knots and, uh, you know... Good on him for making it work thus far. Even the first book in his series is vastly longer than this third one would have been for me. Don't know how he manages to stay on top of it, but the real issue came into play here. I had finally settled on a vision for not only this book, but for what the rest of the series re really needed to look like. And it turned out my publisher could not support books of the length that I needed to get my third book done. I think they had a cap at 140,000 words, and I had written start to finish for about half of my perspective characters in book three, uh, and that was coming in at, I think, 128,000 words. So we were looking at a manuscript that if I really wanted to write the story that I needed to write, if I really wanted to tell the story that I believe needs to be told, we would have been looking at something probably in the range of 200,000 words. This is well beyond uh, the limit that they have in place for reasons that are related to what it costs to produce a book of a certain length and what um, you know margins happen to be both for them and for the author, what's affordable for a reader to purchase, what's in line with their brand in terms of where they cap their pricing, etc. And so at first I was like, well, you know what? We'll do a side-by-side -side installment thing. We're going to do half of the characters in book three, and then we'll have this new book four, and it'll be over here. And the events between these books, well, they're going to be concurrent. 
This is concurrent, apparently. Uh, and I start writing that way. We're revising. We're writing that way. I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit. And so I had to make a very a, a difficult choice to approach them and to let them know that I didn't believe this was going to be in the best interest of the story going forward. I didn't think this was going to be in the best interest of readers and frankly, in my own mental health. Uh, because anyone out there who is a creative knows that it is when you pour your heart into heart and soul into something and when you work for years and years without any sort of recognition and the only thing driving you is your love in this case for a story your love for a set of characters when it finally gets published it's it's an incredible affirmation and you are hoping that other people that other readers can connect with this world and they can connect with these characters in the same way that you did upon their creation and for me to pivot away from what I think is the best way to introduce and to continue to develop their story and their world, to pivot away from that in the name of just getting a book out uh, did not feel like the right choice. Uh, and it especially did not feel like the right choice considering the socio-political backdrop against which we are living daily in the United States and in many places around the world right now because of the dark dystopian themes uh, that I am exploring, particularly in the world of politics as this series advances, I felt even writing it that there was this great oppressive weight that was stealing from me the joy of crafting a world where there were small victories because it has been hard to see where those small victories are going to come into play in our world. And for someone like me, who many of you probably don't know this at all, of the media that I consume uh, as a podcaster myself, the podcasts that I listen to are overwhelmingly political. Uh, I listen to dozens and dozens of hours of uh, politics-based content uh, every week, and more so than I listen to writing podcasts, in fact. And so to be inundating my life with that and trying to write something that feels like it belongs to a world unto itself, while also recognizing that the vision I want to bring in over here can't be executed with the help of the original publisher for the books and my own inability to reconcile all of this, I felt like I had to pull the manuscript. Uh, and so I did. I got my rights back for the third book in the Empathy series, and right now, if you are a reader of those books, this is the first time I'm speaking about it publicly, uh, possibly. There's a chance in the next couple of weeks some readers are going to get smart and go, hey, didn't, hey, wasn't book three supposed to, where's, where's my book three? That was supposed to be out, and I will have to let them know, but... Uh, so to anyone who's expecting book three right now in March 2020 or in 2020 in general, I, I do apologize. I just want to make sure that when this book is released, as with the rest of the books in the series, which you will eventually get, that they live up to the vision that I have for them and that they can be written in a way that helps bring clarity as opposed to a reinforcement of the current climate in which we exist. Uh, and I don't know, I, I'm still not sure that it's 100% the right decision to be making 
to, to have pulled the book based on those reasons alone. But um, it's the decision that I had to make for myself. And I can say that without those deadlines lingering, without being in the midst of a book launch while conference season is getting into play for me here and all of that jazz, I um, it's it was the right choice for me personally, for my mental health. So be patient. You're going to get your book three. It's probably not going to be till 2021. I've got a lot of other manuscripts that I'm working on and I just need a break right now from the empathy universe, but uh, hang in there. Uh, even if I have to find, which I will, I'm going to have to find another publisher for it. If anyone out there has good recommendations or if you enjoy the empathy series and you can say, hey, uh, you might consider working with so-and-so, I would love to change lanes a little bit and pivot for the final uh, few books in the series. That would be wonderful. And if not, I will go ahead and independently publish those because it is important to me that at some point you get those books. I believe very much in finishing what one starts. And so that is going to be uh, something that I strive for. And hopefully it doesn't take me 20 years to do it. It's not going to take me 20 years to do it. Uh, but that that's a goal that I have. So March 2nd, yes, it was supposed to be the release date for the third book in the Empathy series, but it was also, um, coincidentally enough, March 2nd marks marked the four-year anniversary since uh, my since my father died. And I have only started talking about this publicly in the last, oh, I want to say several months, I think probably going back to episode 66, I want to say, of the R.R. Campbell Rightscast on the Rightscast Network. I mentioned it in a conversation with Greg Rents. And the reason, there's probably a lot of reasons that I have been hesitant to talk about it. And one of them is that I think there is a tendency when someone shares a story of loss for those who are consuming that story of loss to do what they feel is an encouraging thing to offer their condolences, to do the sort of um, cultural expectation dance that we thrust upon ourselves. And I appreciate all of that a great deal. But what really troubles me about sharing stories of grief, uh, about sharing stories of loss, is that there is also this really unfortunate tendency, I feel at times, from folks who may not recognize they're even doing it, to then share a story of their own that they feel is meant to connect, but can come, but can sometimes feel as though it's a, a one-uppy kind of thing. And there's also this idea that when sharing something so um, personal, full disclosure, my uh, my dad took his own life uh, in 2016. And when you, when you share something like that with people, it's amazing how quickly everyone comes out of the woodwork to share a story of a brother that they lost or a sister or an aunt or an uncle. And it is really nice sometimes to make that connection and to say, wow, we're not alone in all of this and in having to face what that means for ourselves, for our families, for who we are as people and our own relationships to our mental health. All of that is great. But also upon sharing that, there is this tendency for people then to think, oh, okay, anything goes now. I'm now going to say something like, oh my God, that's so horrible. Here's a story about someone I lost to suicide. I'm now just going to talk at you for 20 minutes about it because I expect that I expect you to, like me, grieve through commiseration. 
And that is problematic for me because I, my grieving process has revealed itself to me as being one that is not about commiseration. I'm not a gather around and look through photos kind of person with your other loved ones on anniversaries. I'm not a pick up the phone and check in with everyone and relive, um, you know, our happiest and our saddest moments uh, after a loss like that. I am very much a, I just, I just want the world to be quiet and I want the world to be still and I want to be in a position to process all of that every day in the way that makes the most sense to me. And admittedly, that has foisted upon me a fair amount of guilt in a family situation where I feel among some individuals there is this need to come together and there is a need to share and it is created and continues to create a distance at times like this. And I try not to dwell on this guilt. I try not to dwell on anything that's going to further strengthen the grip that grief has upon me at times like these. Because one of the things that I took away from mental health experts in the aftermath of my father's passing was that you have to be in a position to take care of yourself first. And I think that perhaps for many years, predating my father's death, predating much of my life, I, I haven't been in a position to bear the brunt of others' grief. And I know that today, to this day, I still struggle with these opportunities possibly for connection where people really do maybe earnestly, they're looking so badly for that connection. They're looking for someone who gets it and who understands. And even if I get it, even if I understand, I can't guarantee you that I am the person to have that conversation with. Uh, and so perhaps what I am asking for today of you, what I am asking for today of myself and of anyone who is in a situation like this, uh, whether you can relate or cannot, is to try to be mindful of the struggles beneath the surface and to be mindful of the people around you who may be suffering silently and to reach out and make sure your loved ones are okay. Reach out and make sure that you are doing right not just by yourself when you try to establish those connections and commiserate, but also by the person with whom you're trying to speak. It is a fair and valid question to ask, would you or are you okay discussing this now in this capacity? And I really encourage you to do that because more often than not, as I have found in my case anyway, the people who are maybe not comfortable with it, because of cultural expectations, because of this idea that to not engage somehow means inherently that we have dismissed the concerns, that we have dismissed the grief, that we have dismissed the suffering of the other, people like me will just go with it and we're not going to say anything. And we're going to carry that with us and carry that with us and carry that with us. And there's already a lot to carry in this world. Uh, there's a lot to carry when it comes to family. There's a lot to carry when it comes to our creative endeavors. There's a lot to carry when it comes to grief in terms of 
loss of family, uh, a change in a project, a change in a social or relationship dynamic that feels as though sometimes it's beyond our control, whatever the case might be, there is so much that I think it is important we be mindful of. And maybe that is what this episode needs to be about, is mindfulness. So take a moment today for yourself. Take a moment today for someone else and be mindful both of what it is you need, be mindful of what it is they need, and ensure that you can meet each other where you are. March 2nd on the calendar comes but once a year, but there could be a million March 2nds every day for some people. You never you never know until you ask and you never know until you understand what space they might need to work through their own March 2nd. So with that said, I'm going to leave it there for this episode. Uh, I really do appreciate you joining me. Next week, it's going to be among my goals to ensure that we focus perhaps on some lighter topics. We'll see if I can do that without getting too scripted, too edited, and too afraid. But I do think that I want this show to be about more than these... Uh, deep dives into that which can be very difficult for people. I don't know, maybe you'll get something out of that, but let's let's try to ensure that this show, that whatever this becomes, remains as dynamic as the people that we are day to day and every aspect of our lives. So thank you again for joining me for episode two of Just Me with R.R. Campbell. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter as at IMRRCampbell. There's a YouTube channel, of course, for those of you listening to the podcast version. You can start watching the videos as well. It'd be great to see you over there subscribing to the channel. If you have not subscribed to the actual podcast yet, please do. And please do leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you would be um, so thoughtful as to do that. I would certainly appreciate it. But until next time, I want to encourage all of you to go out there, be mindful, and like I said last week, let's live unscripted, unedited, and live unafraid. Thanks again.